it is Tuesday. That means it's time to pick some bones. Time to get people all riled up, frothing at the mouth, yelling in unreasonable manners. Well, maybe not that, but uh, we're definitely gonna we're gonna pick an old scab here. We got good old Jake Hofer, the host of the Exodus podcast and the Land podcast, and uh, which you probably well know if you're tuning into this by now that Exodus is a leading trail camera uh, manufacturer. And uh, you're probably wondering, Kent, you've uh, you know talked about being a trail camera nihilist. I still don't think I'm using that word right, Caleb, but we'll go with it. Uh, you've you've talked about how like you can't you know you struggle like believing that using trail cameras is is really uh, super helpful. And I know I've done that, and and I'm slowly returning back. So I started out when I first got into hunting. I was like, man, I need a lot of trail cameras, and I bought the cheap stuff, Jake. I bought the cheap stuff, and I had a whole bunch of cheap trail cameras, and they lasted me like one and a half seasons. And uh, of course, you know, being a first gen hunter, you know, I'm going. In, I I just kicked off my ninth season with a turkey season. Uh, but the, going back to the beginning, you know, I I didn't know when to put those cameras out. I you know I got mm-hmm. many many. Uh, National Geographic quality photos of grass blowing in the wind and, uh, you know, everything else (laughs) facing right at the sun at at sunrise and, you know, sets that trigger off 50 times that, you know, so I've done everything wrong with trail cameras, but I did start to get, get them dialed again and start getting some nice quality pictures that, that could be helpful. But over the last few years, I've kind of fallen out of using them and, uh, uh, so the listeners are probably like, why do you have a guy who uh, does trail cameras on your podcast right now, Kent? And the reason is Caleb and Alex have been pulling me back out of the uh, dark side, back to the light. And they're trying to be like, Kent, you need to get the trail cameras going. In fact, Alex gave me a trail camera, a, a nice cell cam uh, for Christmas. He sent me a trail camera. And uh, I I even asked for a trail camera off of uh uh, uh, my in-laws when they asked what I wanted for Christmas. So I'm, I'm planning to get more trail cameras out there, but Jake, I need you to tell me why I am wrong. And Caleb, you can pile back on me again. I'm if you just need interested to. to know the number one reason too to start with, because <laughs> I have a number one reason in my mind. I'm wondering if it's the same. Yeah. Why am, so, why am I wrong for being a trail camera nihilist? So just to be crystal clear, you're just, you don't like to use them now. They're just, it's taboo. It's annoying and it's diminishing returns for you. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Diminishing returns, I would say is, is probably my biggest thing. Like I put all this effort in and then, and then, uh, you know, I, plus I like the surprise factor, you know, when a nice mature I think that might be your, your biggest factor. Yeah, it probably is the last two. and, And to be honest with you, luck is, we all know luck is part of hunting, right? But, uh, you know, I like to hunt the habitat is my, my big thing. And, uh, um, you know, that's, that's been one of the things that I'd say that was probably the number one thing when I was learning to hunt that I poured the vast majority of my energy into was just learning like deer habits and behavior and how they interacted with their, their habitat, their environment. And so I like, I like hunting in that way. And then I like being surprised by, okay, I've put myself in what I think is going to be a great spot to hunt. Who's going to show up? You know, it's almost kind of like shed hunting in a way. It's like, man, I'm going to go tromping into that great deer habitat. What am I going to find? So that's, that's part of, that's part of why I've gotten away from trail cameras, but talk me back into it, Jake. Why do I, why do I need to get back into the trail camera world? Yeah. Well, I think 
you know, if you're having success, I'm not here to tell anyone what to do differently. So I would say I would tip my cap at you for that. But um, I think I think part of the issue has been that you you mentioned you're running cheap cameras that were giving you issues. And yes. so mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to run Exodus cameras, obviously, for you know six, seven years now. And that's something that I haven't really experienced. I mean, I run a bunch of cameras and when I put them out there, when I walk back up to it, it's going to have pictures on the on the on the card. Mm. And so I think that eliminating that pain point, I think would probably just give you a, a little bit more pep to your step. But I think your point of really honing down and hunting the habitat and everything else that is sometimes lost by people that rely on cameras too much. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think you have that foundation pair it with trail cameras. I think you're going to know it, if you're wasting time in some spots or if you're hunting a caliber of deer that you want to hunt. Cause I mean, ultimately just cause it's signed, we don't know what, yeah. what buck is um and so i think just getting an idea what it is and the other thing too is i think a lot of people like to just follow along on okay i can really study that deer is he three years old is he four years four years old i had pictures of him last year or all these different little subtle things that you kind of learn from running a lot of cameras of when does this scrape typically heat up you can find it from the woodsman's perspective and you can tell that it's been worked but when is it getting worked is it Mm. in the middle of the night or is it uh in the evenings when he's getting out of his bed so i think pairing it with good woodsmanship with cameras, I think it'd be more effective. So, I mean, if it comes down to optimizing time, cameras, your cameras, your tool. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that. That's a, that's a good reason. Uh, the, the optimizing time, especially, you know, I have mm-hmm. three kids and, and, uh, um, you know, I try to, I try to not, uh, really, uh, burn my brownie points real bad <laughs> during, uh, during, deer season by not being at home with them and, and, and they need their dad around too. You know, it's, it's good to have that good relationship with your kids. So it, I like the, the optimizing it because you can reprioritize, you know, when you're, when you go in there and especially the nighttime sign, that's something I kind of learned, uh, this kind of dawned on me. I, and I think maybe this kind of came from a conversation I was having with Caleb. Um, I went over to this piece that I had permission to shed hunt on and, it was like this really narrow strip of good habitat right on the like at on on an intersection of two now they're gravel roads but they're still busy enough that it's like okay it would be kind of weird if you know like it's kind of weird to me that there's so much deer sign in here and then it dawned on me it's like this is probably nighttime sign. You know, this is like, I'm seeing, like you said, I'm seeing scrapes that got ripped open last fall. I'm seeing a bunch of rubs and I just don't see a buck walking traipsing through here with so much human presence, you know, literally 10 yards away. And, and it's like, boom, there's no point in hunting here. Most likely. And I could find that out if I put it in the trail camera. camera. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd be surprised if you had a camera on it. That's <laughs> right. Or, or, or deny that. And I might be totally wrong because I put a camera out there and, and sure enough, there he is in broad daylight. But, uh, no, it, it, it makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. And, and really that's kind of where I'm being talked, I'm talked into it and I'm going to be running some cameras. I'm actually pretty excited to get them out again. And, um, I'm definitely going to try an Exodus camera this, this season. I'm going to, I'm going to get that lined up and, and, I hope um, that's, I hope that 
hope that helps your woes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't, man, I know who to talk. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have a five year warning. I do love that about that because there are so many things that can happen to a trail camera from, you know, getting stolen is the one everyone thinks of. But what about ants? You know, when the ants oh, invade yeah. your oh, trail, man. that is so frustrating. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever happens. I've had squirrels chew them up. You know, there, there was, there was one, and maybe this was on your podcast. I can't remember. Um, uh, there was one I heard about where somebody had a coyote snag his uh, trail camera and went running. I've heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> went running funny. with it like that he was so getting funny. pictures, like sing bobbing around, and then just dropped it in the grass. And and uh, knowing coyotes probably uh, took a leak on it. And uh, you know that's <laughs> that. But yeah, there's so many things that can happen. So I love the five year warranty thing. And then um, you guys have really. Uh, like taking over the cell cam game that from my perspective, um, because I did get a cell cam. Oh, maybe two years after they really started coming out. Um, and, uh, I think it was a spy point. And, um, uh, I at first really liked it and I, I had it in a good spot. I was getting some really nice Intel on it. And then, um, my let's see what happened i think my uh subscription like ran out because of a super windy day and the vegetation had like grown a little bit more so it like got just into that zone where it was enough to trip the trigger and i was like oh no big deal i'll just get around to updating my subscription closer to the season because i think i put it out there in august and uh well then i found out no, you got to like go walk up to that camera and you got to like punch some buttons oh, to man. update your subscription. And that like, that, I haven't, I haven't used that camera since. And that was That's, back in 2012. These are your problems, Kent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With our cameras, it would, uh, if you went over the data, it would just, uh, once the new month rolled over, it would send you all the backlog photos from wow. when you went over it. And then the other thing too, is you can actually go on the app and let's say it is a really windy day. You can change the delay from let's say it was at 10 seconds or 15 seconds, you could change that to 59 minutes because you know you're just getting false triggers from how it's set up. And so that would be a way to save data and also- Whoa, uh, yeah, that's huge that. if you can remotely do that. Wow. Yeah, so I, and I've, I think I've heard a lot of this stuff before on the podcast when you guys uh, uh, talk about it. And I even listened to the episode when you guys launched the the Rival oh, yeah. several months ago. Um, that- is like, man, they are addressing like pretty much every major problem. And I think that was probably for a long time that was that was and I haven't been out of the trail camera game more than like two or three years really. But um when I did, it was kind of like those problems that you guys are addressing, nobody else was. And and uh, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I you know, I'm just gonna kind of do my thing. It's working. And, but no, I want to get that Intel and it's so fun. You know, like I got a, I, I do have two bucks that I've killed. I got trail cam pictures of, and like going back and looking at that and seeing them doing their thing, you know, uh, it's just, it's fun, you know, it's fun to, to have that history and, and, uh, you know, finding sheds that you see on camera. Caleb was able to do that this spring with his giant buck. That's probably going to be, it's going to probably be his, uh, target buck going into this fall i would imagine i think i'd be crazy if i didn't yeah but <laughs> yep yep and uh you know we we actually went in to check a trail camera when he found that shed mm-hmm. 
And uh, so, yeah, I think you guys are doing a good job talking me back into it. Um, so I've got a question though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just and I to go off a couple of your guys' points. So Kent, you know, talked about some success he's had, and I don't know if you feel this way, Jake, but when you shoot a buck, you always want to shoot a bigger buck. Is that typically how you work? I think everyone wants to kill the biggest deer. Right. Like you're like, it's almost like you like graduate, right? Like you shoot the basket rack eight or six or whatever. Yeah. 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 And then you're like, okay, now I want to shoot a two and a half or three and a half year old. And so for me, you know, I mean, Kent has had some great past seasons and I'm, as I know, like you have too, where now you're like, you do need to, in a sense, be more picky. You mentioned the caliber of deer, age of deer on your camera. But what I'm wondering is, so we were in the cell cam era, you might call it. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Is there is there like a pros versus cons or a reason to have a an SD card camera versus a cell camera? Is there any reason that you would say like that's a great yeah, you question? Should, you should definitely put an SD card that's camera a out great there, question, Caleb. Rather than having a cell cam, there's a couple of use cases where that does make sense. So I think cell cameras for in season data is obviously right. You, you can't beat it. And um, I still run standard cameras as well. But well, how I typically use my standard cameras is I leave them to soak for an entire year. So let's say you okay. guys are talking about how you have access to some different farms and maybe you're not sure if you're going to hunt that. I'll go out and put cameras on farms that I might not hunt that year and just see what the traffic is mm. to your point earlier. Sure. Is this daylight or nighttime? And so you can kind of build a catalog of this farm is really hot in October as we're talking about and it's a ghost town in November. So you can kind of have a plan going into the following season. And nice. then put cell cameras on there if there's going to be some deer that you want to chase. But standard cameras are obviously great a signal, but from in-season practical use, I mean, the, the cell cameras is substantially better. Yeah, that's a, that was a great question, Caleb. I like that. And that's a good answer, Jake, because uh, you do think that. It's like, man, if, I, if I'm – you know, if I'm graduating in my cell cam use, yeah, I guess I'll start out with a bunch of, uh, you know, SD cameras. And then once I save up some more money, then I'll go and start replacing those. But that's a good question. And then sure. one of the things you guys talk about too on your show, Jake, is the use of the, um, the, uh, uh, solar, yes. solar uh, panels. You got to use it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, can't do that too. So, when you put a cell camera out, use a solar panel. That's going to help with your woes for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's to me, a, it's, okay. it's, it's just worth the, uh, it's one of those situations where it's like someone's like, well, I could probably save money by buying, you know, a bunch of lithium ion batteries. Um, but it's like, okay, when that camera goes dead in, go. you know, middle of the, you know, we won't say middle of the rut. We'll say we'll say on Halloween when that camera goes dead Ooh, on yeah, Halloween, when you really don't want to mess things up. Right. What money? What amount of money would you pay to uh, have that problem <laughs> fixed for you at that time? And I guarantee you that amount of money is higher than the cost of one of those solar panels. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think I'm definitely going to do that yeah. when I when I get mine. So, uh, uh, you guys are doing a good job. Yeah. Uh, bringing me back into it. I love the idea too of, you know, some other properties that you're maybe considering hunting, gathering that Intel and, and, um, you know, building up, building up that amount of information you have to make informed decisions. And like you said earlier, optimize your time come the season. So yeah, all, uh, all, all very good points there. Now, uh, Jake, do you have like a good like testimonial story of when you used a trail camera to like perfection? 
Like maybe you got you got the intel, found out there's a buck there, ended up using that intel to kill him. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you a story. I screwed up this year. <laughs> so, um, oh no, first gen hunter I mean, podcast, baby. Yeah, Let's hear it. That's, <laughs> the, that's, cam- the, re- that's the reverse, the reverse <laughs> side of it. Yeah. The camera did everything it was supposed to. I just messed up. Um, I mean, this year it is just fresh in mind. There was a intersection where uh, two really old logging roads converged together. And then it was kind of where a drainage kicked out. And I walked past the spot so many times over the years. Mm. And I felt like it was too obvious. It's two mm-hmm. logging roads intersecting. It just felt too obvious. It wasn't on a side trail or anything else. And so I just threw up a cell camera where it converged. And it was like, boom, buck. Boom, another buck. <laughs> and I kind of picked out a tree when I um, hung up that camera. And then so I went in and did a mobile uh, mobile setup. It was actually one of my first years hunting out of a saddle. And there was some, you know, uh, there, there was some learning to that as well. And so long story short was, found this sign, found this uh, topography feature where it made sense and set up on it. And I actually had multiple opportunities at, at shooter bucks from that single location. And I just walked by it so many times. So to your point of helping to qualify a spot, a camera can really do that. And then in season, essentially we'll tell you, okay, this is definitely a hot spot. And there was just a, a couple hot does in the area and it was just the right place to be and how it was set up where I could set up. I couldn't get winded. It was just a really great spot i'm i'm eager to hunt it this year and have a, a better end of this testimonial but i mean i think that's one <laughs> that's one indication and the, there's this there's just so many use cases of just understanding if a buck is still alive if you're wasting your mm, time yeah. or another instance where maybe he's not there or does not appear to be there frequently and you're not wasting time i mean ultimately we only get so many saturdays in november we only get yeah. so many days off where we can be in a tree stand i want to be in the best spot possible and cameras have helped me, you know, at least think that I'm in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I like it. It's you guys are, you guys have definitely won me over. I'm going to get them going again. And then also, you know, the part too, that I really like is the security aspect. Trespassing is a, uh, it's a problem. I think, uh, all of us have, could probably tell a story of how trespassing has affected their, uh, whitetail, their enjoyment of whitetail, hunting you know whether that be you know actually having a trespasser walk in while you're hunting a trespasser steal something trespasser uh, you find out later was hunting a piece that you were saving or uh, even uh, maybe blow up your shed season a little bit and go get in there you know trail cameras can help from that security aspect of knowing when there's people on your property and and uh, you know and you can put up the the signs hey cell camera in use you know, and, and you can pin down who you need to be looking out for. So I like that aspect of it too, a lot. Um, that's, it's another great reason to go with the cell camera model too. Yeah. So I've, I've got, I've got something. So yeah, with that, I mean, the THP guys, they've hanging a lot of cameras kind of like you were talking about. They let them soak yeah. quite a bit. They have cell cameras now. Um, but like they saw a buck that got killed this past fall that they were hunting. Um, but I was wondering, this is picking bones, I think still, right? Yeah. Ken? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So where I, I got one and this and I, this one I'm gonna probably put you on the spot a little bit here. Okay. Uh, but is there a point in your opinion? Is is there a place because we talked about this before, Kent, about cameras and how many? Like how mm. many is too many? Do you have a limit in your ma- mind, or as the Exodus Trail camera guy, <laughs> it does not is, exist. You're like there's there's no every tree. I mean, like what what, what, what would you say? Man, I would say a couple of years ago, I was running too many standard cameras in a reckless fashion, meaning I was checking them too often. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just doing it because I was addicted to the thrill of getting deer on camera. I mean, that's yeah. really the easiest way right. to say it. So I, there's yeah. certainly that. 
Yeah. Cell cameras and solar panels paired together? No. I mean, gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you take out costs and data costs out of the equation. I just love watching deer and trying to learn as much sure. as possible from that. So, uh, yeah. and learn learn everything in real time. So, I I do think there is clearly a point where it is going to hinder your hunting from decision making, from yeah. pressure on properties. But, man, I don't know. I I run. <laughs> I I started running like 15 cameras, then 25 okay. cameras, then 35 cameras, now oh, 45 cameras. So like yeah, I, yeah, I run yeah. a lot of I run a lot of cameras. And to your like the kind of the joke of camera on every tree, there are times where I'm trying to figure something out, and I'll put four cameras in on uh, the one on the one tree. Yeah, well, yeah. not actually on one tree, <laughs> oh, but like, oh, like, just like one, every that's called a totem pole. <laughs> that's a good idea, though. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you just face them every direction. <laughs> I do put them in a really tight area to figure out as much as possible. Sure. I don't have a clear story where I did that and it worked and I killed the buck I was after. So maybe it's the wrong thing to do, but I did figure yeah. out what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. But you're facing him inward. You got to be facing him outward, man. You know, you facing the wrong lunch. direction. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. That's, I was just that's wondering. A, that's I mean, good, it's, yeah. It's another good, things. it's another good discussion point because now that you've said that, that was another one of my, my gripes was, and again, this is a cheap camera problem. I know, you know, the old white flash and even, uh, wow. even uh, the red flash, you know, like the infrared, you know, bucks see that and they, they're like, ah, it's not really normal, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I imagine maybe the, the white flash might seem like lightning or something, you know, in the sky, they see that often enough, but, uh, uh, you know, that does add some level of pressure. So are, are all of Exodus's new cams, uh, the black flash? So the renders a black flash and the rival is a red flash, but I will preface it with this. So testing that product all fall and I had it set up. It was actually one of the, not far from where I screwed up. <laughs> I had, I had <laughs> oh, a camera no. set up on a, on a trail that was kind of like a bench going down a hill and it was kind of that whole hill was a bedding area and I set it up. Mm. I, and I think that's another thing too. So I hung it probably six feet high, angled it down mm, yeah. on yes. a big tree that had yep, multi trunks. So it blended in really well, but I had bucks, mature bucks, bedded in front of that camera with a red flash at night just chilling 15 20 minutes 30 minutes 40 minutes and so that was pretty telling for me it's like okay i don't know if the red flash necessarily spooks them and and i will say that out of all the farms i hunt this is the lowest pressure area out of all of them so i'm not saying a guy listening to this in michigan or pennsylvania (laughs) is gonna have the same experience (laughs) but this very nuanced situation i did not see anything it was a mature buck right in front of it like the flash is clearly going off right in front of it when it's not at eye level i think that's some of that stuff too right or like it's not in their direct path if you can put it like i've got a camera up right now where i have it at an angle where they angle like away from it and when they're coming in it's kind of like off to their side like it's not you know three feet off the ground two feet away from their path where it's like literally in their face you know mm-hmm. i don't know if you i mean when you mentioned that i was going to ask like what's your optimal way to set up a camera it sounds like you know six feet up angling down put yep. that stick behind it or whatever in the tree yep. yeah yeah for sure i think that's the best i mean i think there's i have some that are four feet high and it's on a fence gap and there's sure. all there's always a camera there always and so i don't know if they just get used to it or not and yeah. and i think it's so situational and i would say that buck was better down in front of that camera during like peak rut too so obviously he wow. wasn't uh he wasn't necessarily probably as as uh nervous as normal and obviously testosterone's yeah. flying you know flowing through yeah, his veins right. so um but yeah yeah that's it's it's good to hear that that 
you know, information, that anecdotal evidence there that, that gives you a data point on, on, uh, how that affects it. So, all right. One last thing for this pick and bones episode with, I mean, cell cameras are becoming so common now. I mean, not just Exodus, every trail camera manufacturer. I mean, that's probably their, probably, well, you would have data on this, but becoming a main line of business, at least probably the biggest thing they're promoting. Maybe, maybe SD it's, cameras are still the bread most, and butter. It's, it's the cash cow of the industry, like not to beat around the bush mm-hmm. sure. I mean, from the camera sure. itself, the data plans. Um, it's a very unique product that you actually get to continue to make money after selling it to them once. So um, it is no secret that all manufacturers are trying to sell as many cell cameras as possible. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's good. That's, that's again, good Intel there on the topic. Um, so the question I'm wondering because this always stands out in my mind too, is Boone and Crockett, how they treat cell mm. cam use. Um, it's kind of a vague way of wording it. It's like, if I remember last time I heard about it, it's kind of like if a cell camera was used in the harvest harvesting of this animal, it is disqualified from Boone and Crockett. Now, I don't know if that, means well i got a picture of this buck on my cell camera back in july when he was in velvet and his antlers were still growing and then i didn't see him again until october you know 30th and i i killed him when i saw him you know i didn't even get him on trail camera yet. is he disqualified then from boone and crockett or uh does it is it i saw him uh i was sitting eating breakfast my I get a I get a notification on my phone. Instantly mm-hmm. tell my boss I'm going to be late, and uh, I go out and I kill this buck that I've been trying to kill for two seasons now. Is it? I guess my question is: Is Boone and Crockett catching up to cell cameras and how they're going to use it to determine qualifying animals? Hey made a statement they're not in favor of them beyond what what you mm-hmm. mentioned i think it i think the wording is something along the lines of you know aided in the aided in the use of harvest or something along those lines and so mm-hmm. yeah it's super vague but i will say this this is picking bones so i get to share my opinion that's right I, I think, you yeah. share that I opinion think, <laughs> i think boone and crock it's a very antiquated um mm-hmm. non-profit or or it's just so antiquated at this point. And then the reality of it is I don't know if they have the best um, outlook for the entire sport because in reality, mm. if a world record gets shot, okay, new world record, uh, typical, a record that has, you know, the most sought after record of all time. Yep. It would be bad for everyone for them not to qualify that as the world record. Yeah. Right. Yeah, They're not going to sell as many magazines. They're not going to sell all the different right. stuff. Not going to have the headlines. And I think, in that instance, they would. I feel like they would figure out that, well, it wasn't directly aided right. in the use of, of harvest. So I think it's just, uh, I think they made a statement because they felt like they had to. And I think that Boone and Crock is just antiquated. I, I, I want to kill a Boone and Crockett deer, but I don't know if I would enter it into the Boone and Crockett books. Like it's the gold standard of a, of a, of a whitetail or all picking right. species. Right. So you can argue that. But for what they stand for now, I think has been probably lost in translation with, with all the information that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's my, that's my opinion. I don't know if I directly answered that because it is vague and I don't have a direct answer. And I wish they, <laughs> no. I wish they specifically said if, 
you got a picture of him the same day you killed him, it's not entered. If it was the day before, not entered. If it was three days before, okay, we can enter it. Like it's probably as simple as saying that. Yeah, yeah. I I I 100% agree with you that it needs to be it needs to be updated. Like if they're going to sit on it and just relax on that on, on that original wording that they came out with, they're going to lose in the long run, I think. The, the a situation like you mentioned is going to happen and it might not be the world record, but um thank goodness it didn't happen to him with the huff buck, you know, cuz that would have been a right. big, that would have been a big right. deal. That would have been a, a key that we would have known exactly where they stood on that if if that story yeah. included. Her. Well, there was, yeah. but, but, yeah, but we, we but, there but was also two, pictures of that buck too. Yeah, there yeah. were. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like they're just like eight miles away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's <Exactly>. right. <laughs> and to your point, you know, I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with there being some, you know, like some consideration there as far as like yeah, you know, I I was sitting in stand A, got a picture that he was munching on acorns right in front of stand B. And so I, you know, I, I had the wind in my advantage. So I slipped on over to stand B and I was able to, I was able to kill him. Yeah. Don't, right. don't, don't count that buck. But if it's just, man, I've been at work this week, I've gotten three daylight photos of, you know, this buck, uh, heading past this stand. When I have time off on Saturday, I'm going to go sit in that stand. Right. You know, that to me is a 100% different situation than the first one I mentioned. So I agree that, you know, yeah. they, they need to hopefully, and hopefully they will. And hopefully it will be before they have a huge controversy on their hands. Cause it's going to, if they handle it that way, there's going to be a lot of guys who didn't get a count. There are other, there are other qualifying bucks um, that are going to be really upset. And that's going to happen at this point anyways, but but it's going to be even yeah. 10 times that when somebody shoots another huff buck and, and this, and this, this applies cause it's going to happen. But, I feel like the, um, like you can do that with an, with an, a non cell camera as well. Like, like the, the mice, one of yeah. my biggest bucks and it's in my, like behind us here. Like I, I patterned that deer with a non cell camera. Like it was with pulling an SD card mm-hmm. and it was just like, I hunted, I hunted a stand, not the stand that killed him out of it, a stand that was within a hundred yards of it. And I pulled the camera that night after I got out in the dark and went and checked it at home and realized he was coming past my stand every, however many days. And the next morning I wasn't going to hunt, but it was the day that it was like, Oh, typically he shows up like every third day and tomorrow's the third day and nothing to do with a cell camera. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's situational. You know, it's like if you have a cell cameras in a line leading to a stand, like you're saying, can't you get out of stand a, he's going past stand B and he always goes past stand C after he goes past B, it's like, ah, maybe we're, we're affecting things that way. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's very situational. All right. Real quick. We got to finish this pick and bones episode, but I need to hear your, uh, this is a big bone to pick and this is your platform right now, buddy. <laughs> Kansas trail camera ban. Tell us what you hate about it. I know you don't like it cause I listened to your show, but yeah, I mean, but go, go on, a, go on a rant. No, I, but the biggest bone I have to pick with that, uh, staying on theme here, was the the way it was pushed through with really no public awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what deterred me the most about that whole situation. And so we have all these, we're supposed to have all this infrastructure to help, you know, support hunters' rights and all all these nonprofits that raise so much money and everything else. And they just got right through. That's Mm -hmm. what I did not like about it the most. And I think some of the reasons they had were totally bogus. Mm -hmm. And, I felt like the decision was already made. 
it felt that it was not necessarily from a bunch of public complaints. It seemed like the people on that board, and I'm just assuming, had a specific issue or problem. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of those, and I'm putting this in air quotes, maybe one of those guys on that board owned a lot of ground next to public ground after we mm. did some research. And maybe that might be the reason why that happened. So I think mm-hmm. that's what really frustrates me about that. And I think, I think there could be other arguments of if we really want to improve access and age structure and quality of hunting, cell cameras are not the culprits. I think yep. um, in reality, there's a really easy combination to kill a two or three-year-old buck and it's a crossbow and a bait pile. And that's, yep. <laughs> and that can happen in Kansas. And so yep. I think if, if that was the case, there's so many other things that could be addressed before cell cameras. And it just felt it, it is, I had to take a shower after I heard about it. Cause it just didn't feel mm. right. It just felt slimy. Just how it went through. So I think, yep. I do think that theme's going to continue though, across the West and continue to leak eastward unless, yeah. unless people are able to get in front of it and say like, mm. Hey, okay, what are we trying to solve? Is this really going to solve it? Or is this over here? Could that make this situation better? And I think that's that's really what's the problem, and then let's look for a real solution, not just pushing legislation through just because of whatever the the reasoning was, which was not very good. Yeah, yeah, well said. I I agree. Um, uh, the one point that I did I did get what they were saying. I think they talked about just like people getting their pictures taken, not wanting that. Like I could see that, you know, and who knows, maybe that's the, maybe that's the real story behind there. Some one of those guys was uh, taking a dump in the woods and he ended up on uh, he ended up on a oh, <laughs> Facebook forum or something like that. But, but uh, no, the, you know, the, the surveillance feeling, I guess I, I could see that point, but, but overall, yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and you're right. There wasn't enough, there wasn't enough pushback from the hunting community, uh, from the recordings of the meetings that you guys patched into your um, show, it did sound like there was one hunter there maybe that really spoke up and made some good points, but, but uh, that's, that's a far cry from the number of uh, trail cam users on public land. And then just, of course, you know, kind of the injustice feel between, you know, it starts to start to go with the haves and the have nots when people on private land are allowed to, to have a privilege that people on public land are, and those exist in other ways. You got landowner tags, you got, mm-hmm. you got, uh, you know, other special allowances that go along with being able to hunt your own ground versus public ground, but still trying to minimize how much of that goes on, I think needs to be critically, you know, important to all of us to keeping in spirit with one of the greatest freedoms we got in this country when, uh, uh, it was founded was the freedom to hunt again and get away from the King's deer problem that we had going on in Europe. So, so, uh, yeah, you make a, you make a great case. This has been a great episode of picking bones. This, this might be my favorite picking bones episode in uh, a long time. So, uh, this was, this was an excellent one. Make sure, uh, if you want to get lined up with an Exodus uh, trail camera, how can they do that? Jake, give a quick promo here. Yeah. You can go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and depending on when this goes live, uh, we have our eight year anniversary sale going on, which is uh, really special for us. And you can just use the code year eight and that'll go live May 19th, all the way to June 12th while supplies last. Awesome. So there you go, folks, get online. I'm no longer a trail camera nihilist. And again, I still don't even know if I'm using the term, right? I just like that term. It makes me sound smarter than what I am, but, uh, the, 
I, I, I'm definitely getting back on the horse with it. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Picking Bones. Uh, please remember this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Head over to my link tree in my Instagram bio or the show notes, and you can find a link right there. You can you know save yourself from having to type out Spartan Forge into the search bar. You just click the link, man, and then go there. Get yourself the free download of Spartan Forge, and then once deer season comes around, or maybe if you're a hardcore scouter like the three of us are, you can start subscribing to those features that Spartan Forge provides there, especially the deer behavior prediction aspect. That can optimize some serious time come deer season, help you uh, not have to sweat in your scent-free hunting gear one or two more times than you need to, and uh, get out there and burn those brownie points when they matter the most. So definitely get on board with Spartan Forge. You will love it. Veteran founded, veteran created. Bill is the man. He's military intelligence took all of his knowledge and applied it to from going from tracking America's enemies to tracking deer using Spartan Forge. And you'll want to, uh, you'll definitely want to get on board with that. And then don't forget about good old Alex Gruen of East to West hunts. If you need a hunt plan, Alex is the guy to do it. He's been there, hunted that. I guarantee it. The guy has been all over North America. He caught the last little bush plane out of Alaska right before COVID shut the world down when he was hunting muskox on the top of the world. The guy has been there, hunted that. He will do the same for you. I uh, went on my first Western hunt uh, last year, and we came home with a bear, and that, that wasn't over bait. That was spot and stock out in northwest Montana. You know, basically nothing but forest as far as the eye could see, but Alex got us set up on waypoints, told us where we should camp, and uh, helped us uh, get to the right spot and get it done and come home with a bear. So make sure you check out Alex. Go to eastwesthunts.com. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10. You'll save yourself 10%, and then you can put that towards your new Exodus trail camera uh, when you uh, use their uh, sale promo coming up here soon and get yourself lined up with a new trail camera. Well, thank you so much, Jake, for joining this episode of Pick and Bones, and thank you, Caleb. You guys convinced me I'll be running – trail cameras again this fall good ones ones that work and uh, right. and ones that uh come with all the benefits that we just talked about uh tonight but uh thank you again everyone for tuning in please leave that five-star review if you haven't yet and uh definitely definitely reach out with all your cheers and jeers that you have for me love hearing from you guys that's part of the podcast and until next time take care and take somebody hunting